Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. On this rainy Monday in Regina, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We do appreciate it. It's an up week in Saskatchewan following a big victory over the Montreal Alouettes. And the Riders, after that win, got to wheeling and dealing, did Jeremy O'Day. We'll get to that in a second. The show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at shareit.com. Uh, yeah, the Rough Riders, busy. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, first off, uh, I'm joined on the other side of the glass by Sean Kleisinger. We appreciate him being back in. This dude works long days, especially during the uh, the game days. And uh, you you don't even get to get a bathroom break, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> you no, know, literally, folks, <laughs> if you've seen the movie Dumb and Dumber and the scene when the cop pulls them over and he wants to know what they're drinking and he hand they hand him the bottle and he goes... <laughs> get the hell out yeah, of get here! Get the hell out of here! Yeah, Zinger is uh, Zinger. Sometimes has to uh, go to the bathroom in a in a pop bottle. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Got to keep the broadcast on the air, right, Zinger? That's right, man. Uh, you can send in the text at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Or powered by Capital Ford Link. It's Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. Like we do in the broadcast, we'll give you a shout out. You can weigh in on our broadcast. You can weigh in on the game. Can weigh in on what you're thinking of this football team. Defense, pretty good. Really good. Best defense in the league, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, special teams, Brett Lothar looked good in terms of that 57-yard field goal. I thought Vedvik was pretty good at times. Uh, the, the coverage units leave a little bit to be desired. Now, Riders made a trade today. This is funny. So the Riders traded James Smith, a left-footed global punter, out of training camp after the last preseason game to Calgary because Calgary's global punter, Cody Grace, went down. Well, Grace is back. So when the Riders made the trade, they got a seventh-round pick for James Smith. They get James Smith back now and give up a third-round global pick, only in the CFL. Now, my question is, Zinger, why are they doing that? That's a good question. Is it because uh, Lawther is suffering from a little bit of a nick well, he, he fell. He, he made, tried to make a tackle and yep. tumbled out near the Montreal bench and limped off the field. We didn't see him kick again after that. Yeah. And then uh, maybe their plan is to. That's going to be something to ask Coach Craig Dickinson during the Craig Dickinson show starting yep. at five o'clock. That's tonight. right. Every Monday at five. Good job, Zinger. Way to remind me. And if you want to get your questions in, you can do so right now. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. You also can do it verbally at that number or toll free one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty after. Five o'clock. So yeah, maybe Vedvik isn't. They're not happy with Vedvik, although he was booming some kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is uh, back in the fold as James Smith. Maybe Vedvik goes to kicker and he goes to punter. I don't know. I, I don't see why uh, Vedvik couldn't punt and and kick though. Like have a one of the 
like Mason Fine or someone else hold. Yeah. That goes to tell me that something's wrong with, uh, you know. Maybe Vedvik. Maybe Vedvik's not in the. In that's what. That's what I'm kind of. Did thinking. we ruin Vedvik's career by having him on this show? I don't know. I just tried to talk to the guy for a couple minutes. Yeah, you blew it. It's leave, my fault. Leave the producer to do it. We have technical difficulties, and you just lost a punter now for us. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Anyway, we'll get the straight goods from Coach Craig Dickinson after. Five o'clock. Riders also made another trade. I thought it was a pretty good trade. Now yeah. we saw Chandler Worthy running back kicks left and right in the it's two the game gizmo. set. Uh, the set, yeah, <laughs> set against the Riders. He had an 88-yard kickoff return to start the game in Montreal. An 84-yard kickoff return for a touchdown here. He ran back a 33-yard punt here the game before. He had a 70-some yarder called back and a couple of other nice returns. So Mario Alford can't get on the roster as a receiver kick returner. So he gets shipped to the Riders for a late round pick in 2023. If he plays nine or more games, it gets bumped up to a fifth round pick. So the Riders were busy there. I'm presuming that takes the load off of James uh, Jamal Morrow, who's been uh, both a punt returner, kickoff returner, and the running back who had over 100 yards. So they want to kind of save him. And that's a very good move. So we'll talk to Coach Dickinson about that. Okay, this is funny. Before we get to, to uh, the Rider Rewind, which we like to do, uh, legendary competitive eater Joey Chestnut, Joey Jazz Chestnut, claimed his 15th title in 16 years at the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest today on July 4th. He ate 63 hot dogs and 10 buns in 10 minutes to claim the mustard belt. Now, he's 38. He's been doing this since his early 20s. He beat the next closest competitor by 20 hot dogs but didn't come close to his mark of 76 that he gobbled down last year, which set a new world's record. So he is um, he's kind of slowing down in his old age zinger. Yeah, he's getting towards the end of his career, I think. His belly, his barrel, he can't handle any more dogs. Can you imagine? <laughs> we what, don't want to be around a, wa- not yeah, to get, a washroom. Not, not to get too descriptive, but can you imagine the wa- what his washroom looks like after no, this? No, I don't want to. That's, that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. But let's, let's, let's think about this for a second, okay? Um, I saw the video of that. Now, I didn't do a head count, but I'm going to tell you this right now. What a country America is. A bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> Seriously, a bunch of hillbillies standing around. There must have been 30,000 people at Coney Island in New York. So they're not Easily. even hillbillies. Not even hillbillies. They're in New York. Thirty. There's about 30,000 people watching dudes scarf down hot dogs. Stuffing their barrels. Yeah. Full of wieners. And you know what's sad about that? (laughs) Here's what's sad about that. The crowd to watch Joey Jaws Chestnut scarf down 63 dogs and buns to win the mustard belt will be four times bigger than the Argos game tonight at home against Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. No, it's 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 a fact. I mean, we can look into the the official numbers tomorrow or later this this uh, this tonight, evening. This yeah. evening, but no, I I think you're right. I would need to find an official attendance for the hot dog eating t- contest. Wow, I mean, you could do an eyeball test there. I'm pretty sure he outsold an Argos game, which is really really sad. Okay, so let's uh we start this after uh, the day after every rider game. So if the game's on a Thursday, we do it on a Friday, but if it's on uh you know, a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, we do it on the following Monday. Let's go back in time. This is what we like to call the Sports Cage Rewind. Takes a shotgun snap. Takes the hand off the end. We backpedaling pumps. And he's 
He got sacked. Ball's down, kick is up, and he hammers it through. Two tackles, and they're rushing somebody off that uh, far side, but it's caught over here on the right sideline. Down the sideline, Kevin Jones, 30, 25, and he's tackled from behind. Cody takes a shotgun snap, looks to his right. Cody throws. It's caught. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. Mitch Pickton. Al's going left to right, up by three points. Harris takes the shotgun snap. Harris is sacked. He got sacked by Pete Robertson. And here they come. Harris is hit. The ball's out. The Riders have it. Pete Robertson on the fumble recovery. Out of the hold of Bedbeck. The snap, the hold, the kick is on the way. This one's got the distance. It's gone. Brad Lauber said, I missed one. But I made that one. They hand it off. And here's Morrow busting to the left, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Jamal Morrow. Offside, Montreal, number 24. Going to Clyde. Players open a touchdown. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Cody Fajardo. And Harris going to toss it off here to the right, trying to find the edges. And Twee, and Twee, loses the ball. Riders got it. They touched it at the end. And Cody's going to throw to the backfield. Keehan's got it far side. 35, Keehan 30, 20, 10, 5. Is he in? Touchdown! Saskatchewan! Harris. Staring down the barrel of the Riders defense, hand off to Fletcher, and Walter Fletcher will maneuver his way in for an Alouette touchdown, and Harris steps up, Harris dodges the rush, throws, picked up, this one is going to be maybe House, Nick Marshall, 30, 20, 10, Nick Marshall, touchdown, Saskatchewan! You know what's crazy is Nick Marshall has 13 career interceptions. Almost half of them have gone back for a score. Five of the 13 have gone back for a touchdown. So after the game, we like to grab a player, and Daniela Ponticelli caught up with number three. I'm here with Nick Marshall. Nick, what a beautiful pick six. I got a sideline seat, but can you walk our listeners through what was going through your mind? Um, just me, um, me, I was just being patient the whole game because they really weren't throwing at me the whole game. And Coach Shad just told me to be patient. They were going to throw in my way. And once they throw it in my way, I delivered and made a play for our defense. What happened in the locker room? You were a different offense. I mean, you're on defense, but what I mean, like it was a different team almost coming out. Uh, to start the half. Um, it's just like Coach Diggins say, like, once we um, get ourselves together, we had to go back in at halftime and regroup. And that's what we've done as a team. Came back in the halftime and regroup, and we came, were able to come out and be victorious. Nick, I have one more question for you. The fans today, Canada Day weekend is so special for Ryder Nation. You've played in these kinds of games. What was it like for you to hear the crowd tonight? Um, it was great um, to have the um, crowd behind us in this big atmosphere. But just like I say, like our um, crowd is our 13th man, so it's great to have him to, rock the, um, to come to get this um, W right here for um, the rest of the day. Okay, I lied. One more quick one. This win after the loss 
Thursday, I mean, that just wipes it off the board. How big a character win is this for you? Um, that's a, um, that's, it's a big character win because, like Coach Dickens said, um, this is going to be a game to show um, a game of character. And then we just came out and executed it. Um, in the second half, I was able to come out victorious. Thank you so much. Congratulations right, again. Thank you. Nick Marshall. That's Nick Marshall in conversation with her own Daniela Ponticelli after the uh, game where the Saskatchewan Roughriders get a pick six, a 90-yard run back from Marshall. As it looked like Montreal's trying to make a push at the end, but the Riders would bury them 41-20. to 20. Earlier in the game, Cody Fajardo throws one out. Uh, I think it was in the left flats as the Riders are going right to left, and he gets hit on the backside by Antonio Simmons and goes down. It was the same left knee he had a brace on. And after the game, he met with reporters. Took a couple of big hits there and noticed a bit of a limp. Not great. Um, hit my knee. If I didn't have my knee brace on, I probably would not be finished that game. But uh, set me back for sure. I got to go see the docs, but it's going to set me back. And I thought I was going to be out of the knee brace next week, but uh, God had other plans for me. It looks like I'll be this little knee brace will be on me for a couple more weeks. Percentage-wise, going into this game, what would you say your mobility was at? Uh... About 80%. Um, yeah, not not great. Um, when, when you have the knee brace on, it limits your mobility and your explosiveness. It protects you, but it also limits you in, in what I do. And um, I've wore a knee brace one, t- one other time my junior year in, uh, in college, and I had the same injury on the other leg. Um, and I didn't run as much as I wanted to that year. So at least I have some experience with it. But um, it's hard when my game is so uh, break the pocket, get out, and be explosive. Um, you got to kind of find a way to win games in other ways. Drop a few points tonight. <laughs> uh, uh, the adrenaline's running high right now. I feel okay, but I think tomorrow I'll be definitely hurt, and we'll see. We got another short week. Got to do everything I can to get my body prepared, and uh, the fact that I finished the game is, is very encouraging. We'll have more rider talk coming up. Evan Johnson before five o'clock. Uh, Coach Dickey will join us live and take your texts and calls. Uh, the Craig Dickinson Show is part of the Sports Cage. Every Monday, you're from Glenn Suter, too, and Luke Molitor stops by. Uh, coming up on deck, though, huh, see what I did there? We're talking Regina Red Sox baseball. It's our clutch performer, and I'll tell you what, nobody more clutch than this guy from the Red Sox in the sporting world this weekend. We're coming back with more of the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. So good, so good, so good. That's the uh, Regina Red Sox victory song. I wasn't sure if it was a baseball game or a football game being played yesterday at Curry Field. 24-7, to they mopped the diamond up with the uh, Swift Current 57s. Red Sox playing some pretty good baseball as of late. And uh, let us head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're going to give a plug to our friends at Western Pizza right here. Just give me one second. For Western Pizza, order the Rough Riders Sweet Deal from Western Pizza. And you and a friend could be watching a rider game from a luxury suite. From Boulder City, Colorado, it's Nate Bach, center fielder slash DH of the Regina Red Sox. How are you today, Nate? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you tired? Are you sore? You, you had a busy weekend there, man. You oh, were yeah, swinging I'm the bat. Yeah, you're exhausted. I, I guess exhausted, you're. Yeah. I guess you're exhausted. So uh, Canada Day, you hit two bombs, 
two home runs. Yes, sir. And they were long home runs to the farthest part of the park. Like my uh, my producer's also the public address announcer, Sean Kleisiger. He said it's those are major league length homers. And then you're then you're like, ah, you know what? I'm just gonna go out the next day and I'm gonna hit a grand slam, a three run homer, have nine ribbies. Uh, what went right this uh, Canada Day weekend? Oh, I don't know. Bats started clicking for the team. We had some good starts. Um, we had Braden, or not Braden Houston. We had Andy Cook on the mound, and he gave us a good start. And luckily, we could back him up with some bats, and they fired, and the rest is history. Baseball is a funny sport. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you take it the same good. approach to the plate, and you can't hit anything. But sometimes you get in a groove. What's yeah. it? What's it like when you're in a groove like that? When the ball probably looks like a beach ball. Yeah, the ball does look pretty big. I mean, some days you go up to play with an approach and it, it won't work. You go up to the same plate the next day and you just start smacking balls. So some days it works, some days it doesn't. It's a it's an interesting sport. It's tough. When you grind, when, but yeah, when you hit the ball like that, do you know it's gone instantly? Yes, sir. What does it feel like? When you square up a ball, you'll know. Like, what does it, it feel like? It doesn't really feel like much. You don't really feel it on the bat at all. But you hit it and put your head down, and start running. Okay, so okay, man. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm 170 pounds of twisted steel and fading sex appeal. That's what I like to say. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Nate, you're 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 at the plate. You hit the you hit the ball. Are you get like are you guessing on those when you're swinging? Are you guessing what's coming? Because you part of that's got to be just great guesswork as being a good hitter, isn't it? Uh, can be. Most of the time, it's just reaction. You know, you gotta. My approach is usually set up fastball away, and then anything inside, I'll react to it. And then if you're you're early on a fastball, it'll be early on a on a off speed pitch. So, were the pitcher threw me two off speed pitches, and they ended up leaving the yard. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, were were so two of the homers were off speed. Were two fastballs, or were they mostly off speed? Oh no, they were off speed. Off speed, okay. They were off speed. Okay, and you just laid into them. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. So, but yesterday, the day before you played center field, yesterday you were uh, like a DH kind of guy. Is it harder to be? Yes, I know you came in at center field at the end of the game, but is it harder to be into the game as a DH? Like you know, when you're hitting, like, is it better to be a center fielder, or do you conserve more energy uh, just being that DH when you come up? Uh, it can go both ways. You know, when you're when you're playing center field, you're a little bit more into the game, and when you're a DH and you're a little bit more relaxed up there. Mm-hmm. But DH and you definitely save a little bit of energy compared to playing in the field and sitting through three hours of a ball game and yeah. going up the bat. But yeah, how do you? Is this your? F- has an effect. Yeah, is this your first year? Good with, or bad? Is this your first year with the Regina Red Sox? Yes, sir. How did you end up coming to Regina? Um, funny, uh, our coach, Jason, used to play for the, one of our players' dads, so, uh, Kay Douglas, ah. his father, coach, Jason, and so they knew each other, and Cade was already coming up here, and he said they needed a, another outfielder, so I said, yeah, I'll come along. Nice. Uh, where do you play your college ball? Uh, I played at a junior college in Kansas, it was called Allen County. But I, I do not know where I'm going next year. So, kind of getting down to the wire. 
do you have a couple of options or how's that working it's it's going good um talking to some schools right now haven't decided on where i'm gonna end up but Mm -hmm. i'm excited for the future what's your uh what's your future look like in baseball what are your goals here man what are your realistic goals uh, I mean, everyone's dream as a baseball player is obviously to mm-hmm. go to the MLB, but I'm trying to make it uh, to the next level, which is D1 baseball, and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Do you have a big family, Nate? Oh, uh, yeah, I got a uh, brother and a sister, both older, both out of college. Neither of them played sports, so I'm the I'm the baby of the family. So what gravitated you to sports, and more particularly baseball? Uh, my dad put me into it. My brother played it earlier on in his life, and he ended up just going to college as a normal student. But my dad's always pushed me to be the best person I can, and he kind of got me into the game. So I've, I've been playing it since I was about three years old. Nice. How do you like playing in our old stadium there, Curry Field? Oh, I love it. It's a blast. It's a an electric atmosphere with all this all the fans and you got the kids coming out in between innings so it's a lot of fun and we we're surrounded with a great group of people great fans and we got a great team so it's exciting and hopefully it's fun to watch for the fans but yeah well when you win and when you win and when a dude like you hits homers Nate Bach, of course, of course, it's going to be fun. Was there a baseball player uh, that you looked up to growing up, like a major league baseball player, somebody you looked up to? Uh yeah, Carlos Gonzalez of the Rockies. Ah, uh, yeah. I absolutely loved watching him play. Did you go to? Did you go to many? Did you, did you go to? Did you go to many Rocky games at Coors Field? Oh, all the time, all the time. We would always have our little league opening day up there, so and everyone would go watch. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of buy, a lot of balls fly out of there. Uh, okay, so uh, I got to ask you one last burning question, and this is a very important question. I want you to think about this very carefully. Okay. Yes, sir. I just watched Joey Chestnut eat sixty-three hot dogs and buns. Oh, How many hot dogs and buns could Nate Bach crush in in ten minutes? In ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, he ate, he did it in ten minutes. Sixty-three with buns. I'd give me around 11, 11, 12 before I threw up. Okay. Here's a here's one more question for you. You can either get uh you can either take a foul pitch off the Nether Regions or clean Joey okay. Chestnut's bathroom after he eats all those hot dogs when you take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll take a ball off the balls. <laughs> I love it, Nate. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it, okay? Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. We'll have you on again for sure, especially if you keep uh, slugging it. And I also want to keep him on my Rolodex in case he makes the majors. Then uh, then dude's going to remember who his friend is at the sports cage in Regina, aren't you, Nate? Yes, sir. Okay. That's our Clutch Performer brought to you by Nick Service out there in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. He is Nate Bach. Four homers in two games, nine ribbies yesterday, a grand slammy, and a uh, three-run shot. When we come back, we'll talk to Mike Hogan of the Toronto Argonauts Radio Network as Friday night, or uh, check that, Monday night football in Toronto, the Argos and 
and the Blue Bombers. I'm suspecting it's going to be a dress like a seat night and a good turnout, but who knows. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt at 620 CKRM. Get any worse in the last game, can it? Oh, boy. I hope not. Um, yeah, that wasn't good offensively, defensively. Special teams really weren't out there enough to, to, to tell, but... Uh, it was a good old-fashioned butt-kicking, and if you can't learn from that, you're not going to learn. So the fact that it happened that early in the season is going to open up some eyes and grab some attention. And uh, back to the drawing board, I guess. But uh, I guess early, if you want to look at it this way, what the BC Lions did a week ago was show everybody in the league how to beat the Toronto Argonauts. So now the Argonauts have to figure out how to correct those mistakes. And let teams learn about them all over again. Do you think the Argos, judging by hanging around them all week, do you think they learned a lesson? You won't know for sure till the game's done tonight, but do you think they learned a lesson? Well, it's a bunch of veterans. I mean, that's part of the reason they went out and got guys like Andrew Harris and Brandon Banks and Ja'Garrett Davis. And I asked Coach Dinwiddie about that this week, and he said one of the things they wanted to do is try and change the culture a little bit inside the room. And I know that's an old cliche, but... Uh, at the same time, there was just that little something, something missing. So by going out and getting guys who have won and have been to great cups, uh, uh, that's part of the reason that the, they went out and got them is they wanted to make sure that that veteran presence was in there. And, you know, if, if you were a practice early in the week, you wouldn't know that they had lost in Vancouver. It was all business and it was all Winnipeg. So uh, they were able to, to get that out of, uh, out of the, you know, cleanse the palate, I guess, for lack of a better term and move on and, and, and look to a team that they have to focus on because it's been the best team in the league for two years. How do you uh, how do you judge the law firm early on, McLeod Bethel-Thompson? He started well in that game against BC, but like everybody else, just after that goal line stand, it was downhill. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much of that is mental. Uh, kind of the letdown, you get the first and goal from the one-yard line, and uh, that has been a problem aside from when Pipkin was here. That, that, that's that been a problem going back to when Cody Fajardo left. Uh, he was really good at it. And there's, you know, James Franklin was okay at it from the goal line. He was better from a little further out. But it's it's been something that uh, the Argos haven't been really good at. Um, so they're going to go with Chad Kelly now in short yardage situations. Uh, the, uh, the kid who lit it up at Ole Miss for a couple of years and, He'll be. Uh, the, they're only going to dress two quarterbacks tonight, so we'll see McLeod and Chad Kelly. And for, for McLeod State, uh, I, I agree. I thought he looked really sharp early, and then he just didn't look so sharp. So I don't know how much is that on him, how much of that is on the receivers, how much of that is on protection. Uh, boy, he's gotten hit quite a bit in the first couple of games. So uh, was, was it a great performance by anybody wearing double blue last week? No, and I, I think McLeod would be the first guy to stick up his hand and say, I can play better. I'm interested to see how the young coach Ryan Dinwiddie had his guys fired up. Really a first, uh, no, I'm, uh, granted they had big games last year, I'm not saying that, but it's yeah. uh, they never got blown out this bad, I don't think, not that I remember. So it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, new coach gets them turned around here. Yeah, he he said uh, this was the worst game he's ever been a part of, uh, player, coach. Like this, this, this hasn't happened to him uh, over the course of his career. So, um, you know, it will be interesting. He kind of went in and 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 talked to the team on Saturday and said maybe he's been a little bit harsh. Um, he's he's a really high energy type A football coach. Um, you know, he 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 always seems to be bouncing around and he always seems to be totally focused on football. So. You know, maybe he wanted to take a, a, his foot off the, uh, you know, the gas pedal a little bit this week in terms of, of being in their face and let those veterans take over in the room. He said, you know, it's your locker room and 
great teams have great locker rooms and police themselves. So maybe that's what he wanted to see this week is just how the room would respond. And I guess we'll see at 730 Eastern tonight. Yeah, and you've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who have been good but not great. It would uh, really catapult you in terms of confidence and up the standings in the East if you win this game. That's the positive thing here is as bad as Toronto has played maybe this year, especially the last game, you're, you're right there because surprisingly the East isn't very good right now. It's funny because I think everybody looked at the East and said, oh, everybody in the East improved this year. And maybe Hamilton lost enough players where that would be kind of the, the, the outlier there. But I think everybody looked at Ottawa and said they're going to be better. And they played, they played Winnipeg pretty tough. And Montreal looked certainly good against Saskatchewan on the first time that they played them. And uh, they were basically a square off against the Argos. I think the Argos uh, were the better team in, in week two against Montreal, but kind of got lucky when Montreal missed a short field goal at the end of the game. So sent some good and some bad out of week one. But the Argos are one and one in their first place. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's astonishing. You know, the team gets its butt kicked and, uh, and still sits there in first place and have already had a bye and are the last team to play in week four. So um, it's been a weird year. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of people have looked at games and saw, oh, this one will be an easy one. And either the game has been close or the team that they had picked to win easily lost. So uh, it's it's been an interesting year. And, you know, the Argos, I think their most complete game of the year was against Winnipeg last year. They played them back-to-back. They played in Winnipeg. And it was a close game on the scoreboard, but Winnipeg was by far the better team. Mm-hmm. And then... They played a week later in Toronto when it was close on the scoreboard, but Toronto was by far the better team. So if they can come up with that kind of effort tonight and, and kind of clean things up, we'll see We'll see, we'll see see really a lot about what this team is all about tonight and the way that they bounce back after the butt-kicking of a week ago. More energy for Andrew Harris playing his old team in terms of the teammates rallying around him, I mean? It hasn't been a focus, but I don't think it's had to be because, uh, you know, everybody knows, especially those who played in the league, know what Andrew Harris meant to Winnipeg and what this game is going to mean to him. Uh, The Argos do not play in Winnipeg this year, so this is the only time he'll get a chance to play against his old team unless they meet in the playoffs. So he's pumped. He's not saying a lot about it, but uh, you know he's got a big chip on his shoulder. He did so much for that community. He did so much for that team. Uh, back-to-back great cups, uh, most outstanding player, most outstanding Canadian in the one a couple of years ago. And, you know, he wants to show them they made a mistake by moving on. Uh, they made a conscious effort to move on with, with Brady Oliveira and, and and Johnny Augustine this year and, and let him get away. And the Argos were happy to snap him up. And uh, we'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, he ran really hard and really well against Montreal. So if he runs like that, um, I would, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was 100 plus tonight. Even though Winnipeg does have, does have a very good defense, obviously. Been kind of a wacky season. You guys escape with the win against Montreal when Cote misses the 21 yard field goal, and then you got Dane Evans fumbling trying to run the game out for Hamilton, and Edmonton wins the game. Now, as an Argo play by play guy and a member of the organization, uh, you're kind of probably smiling like a butcher's dog in that one. But what do you make of Evans on the bench? in despair and just dumbfounded there after that loss. Um, it seems like that guy's waiting for the other shoe to drop in every game now. Yeah, it's it, it's it's tough. I mean, if every team 
And every fan of every team has gone through a start like Hamilton's going through right now. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and shed tears for the Ticats. I mean, it's, a, I mean, in Regina, if the Bombers get off to an 0-4 start, you're kind of happy about that. Right. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's tough to see because it really is kind of a small community. You know, fan, fans will trash talk other teams and then after the game, you know, it's sociable. Let's go out and have a, let's go have a beer after the game. And because this league has, has you know so much so much movement in terms of players most of the guys know each other uh, or or one degree of separation away from somebody else so it's tough to see a guy go through that and go through that kind of a meltdown on the bench after the game and you know our buckle went over and kind of tried to, to because he's been like nick's been there like it's it hasn't been an easy career for nick arbuckle so if anybody can relate it's probably him and now for dane evans you know they've got a week off and then they've got to play Ottawa. And you think Jeremiah Masoli's going to be pumped to play against Hamilton? So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one for Hamilton. So, um, you know, are we in Toronto smiling about this? Hell yes, absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really tough to see. You know, I've never met Dane Evans, but he seems to be a likable enough guy. It's, it's tough to see a player go through that because everybody knows somebody who has gone through that. You know, the same way, Ticat fans weren't exactly shedding a tear after BC kicked our butts a week ago. Yeah, no, for sure. Lastly, Mike Hogan, um, you can answer this better than me before I just spout off my mouth willy-nilly. Why, why, why are we playing this game on a Monday? Like, why didn't the Argos play on the uh, Canada Day long weekend? Uh, TFC was home on Saturday night, so I don't know if it was uh, a problem getting the field turned around in time. TFC, the yeah. uh, the MLS soccer team, for those who don't know, they had a game on Saturday night, so I don't know if it was just they couldn't, you know, turn the field around quickly enough. Uh, but that's that's uh, that's a question for somebody with a far taller forehead than I have. Yeah, no, I just I I would love to see the uh, Toronto's, the BCs, even the Montreals of the world, but in particular Toronto and BC, get as many weekend games as you can. You know, if the venue isn't an issue, like I'd you know instead of trying to get there on a on a on a Thursday night or a Monday night, try for Friday or you know if we can Saturdays in Toronto. Yeah, we're we're pretty good the rest of the season. This was kind of the weird one uh, on the on the docket, but yeah, we're 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 trying to become a Saturday, and I think we have one Sunday afternoon game. We're we're, we're cognizant of that. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens, especially in this market, and the same thing in any market. I guess people are going to complain. Some like Friday sure. nights, some like Saturday afternoons, some like Saturday nights, some like Sundays. So uh, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to upset somebody. So. Uh, this is different, but you know, Monday night football's worked in the states for an awfully long time. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what kind of fan base we uh, we're able to draw tonight. Well, you can't draw anything if you don't. Uh, if you if you keep getting beat forty four to three. So hopefully that is a, yeah. that's a one off, and you guys could turn that around. Uh, really look forward to listening to your call. Always do. Take care, Mike. Anytime. Just pick up the phone. I'm here. All right, it's 446 with your sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians at 75000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call at 781-2090. So we got the week four in the Canadian Football League wrapping up tonight, a 4th of July special. It's the 3-0 Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the 1-1 Toronto Argonauts, 5.30 p.m. kickoff. Blue Jays start a 7 a uh, seven-game West Coast road swing tonight. First stop is Oakland for a three-game set before heading over to Seattle for four. Jays need a win tonight as they're coming off 
three straight home losses versus the Rays over the weekend. Despite Toronto's recent struggles, though, they are still one game up on the Rays for the second wildcard spot in the American League. Ballsy. All right, so uh, our offensive game started. Now, Jamal Morrow ran for over 100 yards. He was good in a punt and kickoff return. The Riders did add Mario Alford from Montreal for a late-round pick next year in the draft to kind of give him a bit of a break. He and Hickson have been real good in the uh, backfield since the Riders have had at times, of course, Shaq hurt. Uh, they also had Duke Williams out for part of that game. He did return because he's a tough SOB. But, uh, yeah. The Riders' offensive line, not so great in the first half. In the second half, though, they uh, really uh, took it to the Montreal front seven, in particular on the ground game, and we picked an offensive lineman as our game star, and let's hear from him. Talk about the mindset switch at halftime. You guys are down 13-11. Cody's kind of running around for his life, but then you guys come out and pound the football, pound the rock, as Luke likes to say. Talk about that mentality. Absolutely. I mean, last week uh, we had a tough game against Montreal, and we knew this week uh, coming out running the football was going to be a big part of the game plan. Especially with Montreal, they only trust six defensive linemen, so if we can wear them out uh, you know, with the run game, it uh, makes for a long game for them. Definitely helped having one of their guys get ejected too, so it became a slippery slope for him, and we kept uh, kept running the rock. When I watch you pull, right, it's not necessarily your traditional pull where the guard just gets out and, and, and road grades the first thing he sees. You're really patient. I love it. You, you, you sort of step back. You assess where you're going. Is, is that coach, to, is that a, a pivot that you guys came in this year? Like, talk a little bit about how you're moving around in space more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, bit of a unique uh, offensive concept for the Canadian Football League here. No one else really does it. Uh, our coach Sorrells uh, brought it in last year. And, uh, you, you know, with it being such a unique play, it took us quite a while last year to figure it out. And we're feeling really good here this year, especially this past week, uh, being able to rep it and, uh, you know, be able to run it efficiently. So that slow pull allows it to open up in the A gap, and uh, that's that's our aiming point. Don't want to dwell on the negative, but what what went? I don't want to say what went wrong, but what kind of challenges did Montreal pose for you up front? Because Cody was running around a little bit for his life back there at times. Mm-hmm. Know that they've got a strong uh, strong defensive front there. They've got really athletic guys, really strong guys. Um, and they like to uh, stem down into different fronts. They got three down, four down, five down fronts. Uh, when they're in four down, three down fronts, uh, they, they like to do a lot of twist games, uh, a lot of linebackers blitzing, a lot of movement and uh, stemming down late in order to kind of c- try to confuse the offense and the offensive line. So uh, we were able to get the, a lot of practice this week, just IDing fronts and seeing what they do on film. So uh, we felt a lot better coming into this week. For sure. And talk uh, before we let you go about Cody Fajardo and the toughness that he exudes and what that, you know, how that rubs off on you guys. Absolutely. We love Cody. We, we love uh, the competitor that he is, how he's able to run and uh, play through being hurt. I mean, you know, in football, we talk a lot about the difference between being injured and being hurt. So he's able to play through a lot of adversity and a lot of different things. You know, he got hit low uh, in the game there and refused to come out. He wanted to keep going with us and uh, keep riding through the victory with us. What was going on there with uh, Wakefield? He threw his helmet on one play and then got kicked out for a second uh, objectionable conduct. Was it pretty chippy down there? These back-to-backs are always chippier. Yeah, there's always a little bit of animosity going week to week uh, against the same squad. So, uh, yeah, we just got in his head a little bit. He lost his cool, and uh, he paid for it with an early shower. 
<laughs> he certainly did. Well, I don't know if you've showered yet, but you can now, my friend. Thanks for your time. You're our offensive game star. Good job, Evan. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, that was Evan Johnson. Should have introduced him. It just kind of went right into it. But yeah, number 64 was our offensive game star. I like I like giving the Hoggies a shout-out. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Talk to our friend Claire Dory, accomplished coach. Female ranks and the male ranks. She's going to be coaching the U18 team as well, but she's coaching the U18 girls team at the national championships or women's team at the national championships being held in Regina. How are you today, Claire? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Now, you guys got off to a great start 32 nothing and 32 nothing. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, we uh, came out uh, strong on our first day of competition. Absolutely. Yeah, so was it what, is New Brunswick and Manitoba you beat, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so uh, tell us, just give us a little refresher again. I know we aired an interview with uh, Pete Pasco did with you on Locker Talk uh, on the show a while back. What, like, how long are the games? Because you're trying to fit in these games into a tournament format, so they're not the regular length games. No, Football Canada has, has opted to become a little bit more creative with the inaugural event here, uh, with only five teams participating, or happily with five teams participating. Mm-hmm. In order to ensure that everybody got that equal competition, um, what we're doing are mini games, which are in essence one half of football um, against each team. So we played, um, a, you know, a traditional first half against mm-hmm. New Brunswick, uh, and then uh, Ontario played Alberta in between, and then we played what you would think is a traditional first half of football again against Manitoba. And so this way, we get to see every team in a in a round robin format. Um, but in a way that is safe within tournament football. In your time being in football, which, by the way, how long have you been involved in the women's football game, both as a player and a coach? Um, Well, I started in the uh, winter of 2011, so February of 2011, so it's been 11 and a half years now. Okay, good. So how how much has this game uh, grown and improved the female uh, division? Well, we are proud to say that Right in Saskatchewan here, we now have the PGFL that exists, mm-hmm. and we have uh, teams that are competing, and we, ha- we see players um, from all over the province uh, participating in football within their high school or club organizations. So the game has grown uh, down to those younger generations, which are or younger years, which is awesome for us to see. And, of course, um, you know, the Rise and the Valkyries continue to be... You know, stronghold in the WWCFL. So the game has improved here in Saskatchewan and there are more teams uh, coming up, up across the country. On Ontario is now boasting a league. Um, in, uh, at the senior level, the Alberta and Manitoba both have youth leagues. So, And I'm sure I'm missing uh, a fair number of them, right? The Maritimes has a, has a mm-hmm. senior women's league. Um, so we're seeing leagues pop up all over the place, which means this game is growing and the football knowledge has increased significantly from the time when I was a uh, green rookie myself to where I am now. So that has also been great to see. It's awesome. Okay, so you you spoke of Ontario and Alberta. Tomorrow you guys play Ontario at 5 and then uh, 8 o'clock against Alberta. How tough is it to play a half of football then kind of, you know, take a break and come back and play what is in essence a second half of football with maybe like a two-hour break? How tough is that? It, it does present some unique challenges. Um, many of my coaches have wondered how, how it is that we go about making adjustments because we don't have a traditional halftime. We just have what, what you would see as a quarter-time change. So when we play Ontario, the, the first half of our game is like the first quarter. We have that two-minute break, 
and then we play what is the second quarter. So there's a lot less time for us to make those adjustments. And then, like you said, there's one game that happens in between our two competitions. So New Brunswick and Manitoba will play at a 6.30 start. So we have a, an overextended halftime break uh, before we see Alberta at 8 o'clock. So we try and use that time to, you know, get a snack, cool down, and then warm up all over again. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's unique to, to football. I'm sure, I, I'm not sure that this type of format has ever happened uh, before. But um, I've been really proud of our team in terms of how they operated and how they are just willing to go with the flow to have the opportunity to get on the field and play. So Saturday, then we got the third place playoffs, third versus f- uh, five, four versus five, three versus four. And then we've got the tradition, a traditional gold medal game, if I'm not mistaken, right at uh, seven o'clock. That is correct. Yes, the third, the third place will be determined by three mini games and a little round robin between the third, fourth and fifth place finishers. And the gold medal game will be to, uh, a full-length game, uh, amateur, so 12-minute quarters, uh, based on whoever finishes first and second in round robin. So all of this is going down where, just for people that want to come out and watch Claire, if they can? We are at Mosaic Stadium uh, on oh. both Wednesday the 6th as well as Saturday the 9th. Awesome. That's, that is outstanding. So if you want to go watch, you can, uh, they can just get tickets at the door, I guess. I mean, you're the coach, Absolutely. but they can just yeah, show up and watch it at the door. Okay, good. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, congr- tickets gate, yeah, tickets through gate one, $20 for the day and uh, $50 for the weekend pass for adults and slightly reduced prices that, that I don't have in front of me for, for, for you. <laughs> You're game planning. I don't expect you to be an organizer. Thanks for your time, Claire. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for talking about us. We are excited to be out and playing football. Yeah, good luck uh, this weekend. The uh, women's teams in Saskatchewan are, are rolling for sure. And Team Saskatchewan headed up by Claire Dory, a friend of the show. By the way, I want to give a shout out here. Um, we're going to tell you that uh, Saskatchewan will be seeking their second straight Western U16 Challenge title. Uh, that'll come up Thursday. They'll have to go through host BC. Saskatchewan defeated Manitoba 49-23. BC outlasted Alberta 22-17. In game one, Ty Fedek Andrews scored three touchdowns to send Saskatchewan back-to-back championship games. Rogan Pipko, Adrian Rayome, and uh, Sullivan Smith-Windsor had the other Saskatchewan touchdowns. Ty Gorniak's two field goals, single point, and six converts rounded out Saskatchewan scoring. So we are rolling in football in all divisions. When we come back, we'll talk to the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Get your texts in now. He'll answer your questions. The only time each week he does it right here on the Sports Cage, the Craig Dickinson Show between 5 and 5.30. You're listening to the Sports Cage for our friends at Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca Ah yes, on this Monday, the Craig Dickinson Show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with... An online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Before we get the coach, we welcome in our buddy Luke Mulder. How are you, bud? Good, man. Good. You're looking Refreshed good. Refreshed off a nice, long Canada candidate weekend. And we won. And that's the main and thing. And we and, got the W. And we won. Yeah. It's always an up week when you win. Hey, we're joined by the coach, Craig Dickinson. Dickie, I got to ask a question right off the get-go. Uh, you, you, you trade James Smith, and then you bring Jim, uh, James Smith back from Calgary. Uh, why? Well, we uh, that was actually, believe it or not, part of the deal when we traded him in the first place. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. So uh, they just needed a guy for the short term, and uh, 
we wanted James back. We felt like he's a good player and that we wanted some depth there with our global punters. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, yeah, that's how it ended up working out. So in kinda, true Aust- the uh, agreement. So in true Australian fashion, he's literally a boomerang. He like boomerang right back just to it. throw him and he just <laughs> rotates right back into I love into it. Good one. This guy here, I didn't realize. You know one thing about the doing these broadcasts with Luke Motor, Coach? <laughs> I didn't realize, like, he's Dave Chappelle. He's always got these one-line <laughs> jokes. I don't know. We have to get him to MC some things. Coach, how's your kicker doing? Brett Lothar, he took a tumble at the Montreal bench, kind of limped off the field. I don't remember seeing him again. Yeah, he's going to be okay, but he, he was torn up a little bit. It's funny. He came in after the game, and he said to me, Man, I do not know how these guys do it. He says, I am sore. I feel terrible. He says, these guys do this every week, and they just keep getting up and playing. And I said, yeah, it's it's a tough tough business, and there's some tough dudes out there. So yeah. he uh, he's bruised and battered, but he'll be all right. We'll probably give him tomorrow off, but um, we'll kick him on day three. Vedvik made a nice tackle on Worthy, or Worthy's running for a punt return touchdown. How do you think uh, Vedvik's played uh, recently? He's done better. He you know he knows he's got to do a better job of uh, putting the ball where we want it. But you know he's an athletic dude. He wants to he wants to cover and get out there and do his thing. So we're, I'm pleased with Corey. He's going to just get better. He needs he needs work though. I mean he's relatively green in terms of he hasn't punted a lot a lot of pro games and he's learning as he goes but i think he's going to be all right coach now that you've had a chance to assess and actually watch the game film are there any takeaways from from last game that that have come to you since sort of our first conversation immediately after the game on the positive or or on the uh on the coaching side yeah well the positive was we were physical We, we were definitely physical and we were able to run the football and and conversely, I felt like we were able to stop the run on defense. And those are two things that you need to do to, to win consistently in football, I believe. Um, the penalty thing, I felt like we, we put a big emphasis on it today during meetings, and a lot of it was, was technique. Like, why, why did we not get a penalty early in the game on the same blocking scheme, and yet we got it later in the game? And you could point to basically our feet were stopping on contract, the linemen were starting to twist guys instead of just moving them with their feet so um we we put a lot of emphasis on on the on the penalties today and after watching the film a couple of times i think they're they're more than correctable we've just got to commit to doing a little better job with our technique and then uh, a few of them we've just got to make better decisions Coach Craig Dickinson joining us here. He will take your calls or texts at 936-6262. Zinger, do you got a text over there on the other side? Yeah, we got one from Kip, and he says, Coach, uh, this is the first game in a long time that I felt the offensive play calls and the execution from the offense worked well together. There were some plays that put Montreal on their heels and in turn slowed down the pass rush. What do you think was the difference from this game to the other games where offense just wasn't clicking or being uh, consistent? I think the difference was the fact that we were able to run the ball and run the ball when we wanted to. And then because of that, I think Coach Moss was able to call some plays where it looked like run and then the quarterback would pull it and hit Schaefer Baker in the flats or hit hit the running back out, out uh, on a slide route, we call it. So I think, I think the fact that the O-line was playing well and getting off the football 
and allowing us to run the ball, I think it opened up the playbook for Coach Moss a little bit, and I thought he did a good job calling the game. Yeah, he did a real good job calling the game. I thought that as well, especially in the second half. I like the fact that when you guys have needed to settle things down, you've gone to kind of pound in the football, which is great. Luke picked up on it, like kind of a, di- a bit of a different blocking technique, didn't you, Luke, with regards to Evan Johnson yeah. and how they're doing things? Yeah, we talked about it with Evan Johnson, but uh, Coach, maybe you can um, can shed some light on, on this delayed pull technique is what Evan yeah, essentially it's, referred it's to. I power run game, Luke, and it's, you know, Coach Sorrells has done a lot of work in the offseason studying teams and, and what they do and how they do things. And It's basically more of just a power scheme where you're doubling down and pulling around, and it's not, like you said, it's not an immediate pull. It's more of a get depth and then find your way through sort of, sort of run blocking. And uh, guys are doing a good job with it. You know, I think – I think Coach Schwartz has done a really nice job of, of professional development in the off season and seeing what other teams are doing and what works and doesn't. And he's got those guys playing pretty well right now. Well, if you're going to run the football effectively, you got to have a good old line. But I'll tell you what you you mentioned this earlier a couple of weeks back, and Luke mentioned this on our broadcast. You got a great one-two punch in Morrow and Hickson, but you got. Two weapons and fullbacks, James Tuck and Albert Awachi. Just talk about those guys because they made some key blocks in that game. Yeah, they did. And they got the game ball on offense. We felt like the run game really revolved around the fullbacks and what they're able to do for us. And Awachi give Albert a lot of credit. You know, this is his third or fourth year in the system, and he's just getting better and better. He's a big, strong, and, uh, you know, a physical player, and he wants to – he wants to just run you right into the stands, but he's he's able to slow down a little bit, get his feet under him, and get his hands and and do a good job. And then Tuck, probably one of the one of the best signings I think we had all off season was signing James Tuck. We we knew he was a good special teams player. We knew he could play fullback, and and he's just exceeded our expectations. He's done a great job, Coach. I don't want to make excuses, okay? But you've given up two kick return touchdowns to a very good football player and worthy, but. The rules change. Guys got to run down a little farther. Is that something that teams have to get adjusted to? Your cover guys have to run a little extra to go down and cover the kicks. No, I don't think so because it's still the same distance whether you're kicking from the 30 and it lands at the 15 or you're kicking from the 35 and it lands to the 10. Mm. You're still covering the same amount of ground. So that's no excuse for our guys. Um, I think we can fix it. Balsy, I really do. Um, We looked at it closely with the group today the reality was he tried to go to the boundary on the one he scored on and we had that shut down but we didn't have enough guys close to him and then he was able to reverse field and go outside and if we get one guy that you know his job is to cut the field if we get that one guy to just do that there's nowhere to go we got two free hitters in Moncrief and and Sankey right there and we don't do that and because we don't do that he's just faster than we are and it ends up being a foot race and we didn't. We didn't. Uh, we couldn't stay with them. But we'll keep working on it. You know that the one thing about the cover teams is it's a it's a new group. It seems like every week, and when there there are injuries, that's usually the first groups that get affected is your special teams. And we still got to find the right mix of guys. We're still working on it. Oh, you know what? Here's one for you. Uh, I I was a little concerned. You got your running backs returning kicks. We saw Worthy. And he's keeping a guy like Mario Alfred off the roster in Montreal, so you guys make a trade. I thought that's a nice, nice addition for your football team. Could be a nice addition, kind of like a Jason Armstead type back in the day. Yeah, I think so. I think we were missing that. As much as we like JMO, and JMO does a great job, he's he's getting fifty plays on offense. So 
we feel like if we can find a, a good uh, established returner that, that really can flip the field for us, we're going to give it a try. We got him for relatively um, relatively cheap price in terms of the draft choice. So um, as long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, he's a darn good football player, and we're looking forward to seeing what he can do. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of your texts. You can text us 936-6262 in our Capital Ford Lincoln text line. This is the Craig Dickinson Show on the Sports Cage, brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers on 620 CKRM. The uh, Craig Dickinson Show on the Sports Cage, taking your uh, text. Before I get to the text, I've got to ask Coach this. Coach, we had about 30,000 people standing around watching Joey Chestnut eat hot dogs again on July 4th. He wins his 15th out of 16 years in a row eating hot dogs. 63 hot dogs t- uh, uh, with buns in 10 minutes. How many hot dogs could you pound in a 10-minute sitting? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I can only eat about two hot dogs and I start getting sick to my stomach. So I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Isn't that I, how everybody is for most right? Can you believe? Oh, can you really good, Coach? Can you, you believe thir- another bite or two of a second one and you're like, oh god, I think I'm going to throw up. That's enough. That's right. <laughs> can you believe thirty? About thirty thousand people are standing around watching that each year. It's crazy, isn't it? Oh, amazing. You, it's America. You, you Americans are wacky people. You know that, eh? <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's get to some tech. Zigger, go ahead. Yeah, we got Bill and Carlisle says, with Elford coming in, does that mean Hickson will be coming off the roster? Question mark? Not necessarily. Good question, though. Um, we got a couple of couple of options. That's one of, one of the options is to look at dressing him for one of the running backs. But we feel like Hickson and, and Morrow are doing such a good job, we may look at losing an American somewhere else. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Alfred doesn't join us until after the Ottawa game. So we got a week to, to figure it out. But we're planning on getting him going for, for that Halifax game. Well, you talked about him. You were asked quite a bit about this guy during the week. Mitch Picton with a touchdown grab. You said, hey, this guy just knows all the positions. He's a pro's pro, and he showed it uh, you know, in that game, too, with a nice catch. Uh, he just, he's had a nice couple weeks, hasn't he? And, and the nice thing is he's he's been good right from the get-go, you know, it helps being in the system a few years, but the guy has put in the work, and and uh, he's no longer a rookie out there. He's a veteran, and he recognizes things, and he's starting, I think, to develop a nice little chemistry with our quarterback. Zinger, you got any more over there? Bernie texted in and said, Hey, Coach, how is uh, Cody health-wise? This was his uh, best game in quite a while. I love that uh, the guys uh, played with uh, heart out there for him. Yeah, that's good. A good question, Bernie. He's going to be fine. He's sore, much like Lawther, but feels better than he expected to today. And we're uh, planning on getting him out there for day two tomorrow and getting him moving around. So we expect Cody to be full goal this week. Coach, actually, that brings us to another question. Um, guys who, who look banged up but but still managed to finish the game uh, last week, Kreef and also Duke, How, how are, how's their health looking? Uh, we think we're going to be okay there. You know, Kreef. We were a little worried about Creep when he went down. We thought he might have broke something, but x-rays came back negative, so it's just going to be a matter of taping him up and getting through the, the pain of having you know, a jammed-up wrist. Duke, not so sure about Duke. I think tomorrow we'll go easy on Duke, let him kind of get a feel for how his body's working, and then hopefully by day three he's moving moving a little better. But Duke's going to be a wait-and-see. Creep, I think, is a little more 
little more certain we could say he's fine. I'd ask you what it is, but you probably won't tell me. But it took him a while. I didn't think. I thought he. I didn't think he was gonna. It was the second coming of Lazarus. It's like somebody rolled back the rock and Duke's back on the field because it took him forever to walk to the yeah. to the bench, right? Yeah. Like, but t- we talked about it on the post game show. But for those that didn't hear, uh, we back in the eighties we had this uh, jingle for the riders about being Saskatchewan tough. Those guys aren't Saskatchewan guys per se, but Cody Kreef. Duke, like you think about Kreef, jams his wrist, you think it's broken, he comes back, he gets an interception his third of the season. Yeah. Like those guys are tough. Duke's out there throwing touchdown blocks, um, creating yeah. blocks. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The, the football, you guys are warriors. Luke and Luke did it. Luke knows he's one of them too. You know, it's it's amazing that the pain threshold and the and the punishment they put their bodies through to. to you know, chase that football around. Was it an emotional speech at halftime? Uh, as emotional as you'll get during the game? Because Lanier the second, who had three sacks and a forced fumble, the guy was a wrecking ball. He's He plays on the edge, he's taken some silly penalties, but, uh, you know, he, you kept him in there for a reason, and he, and he obviously it, that decision paid off. But he said on our post-game show, I said, what did Coates say at halftime? He said straight up he told us he loved us and that we could do it. Was it, a, was it kind of an emotional rah-rah thing for you at halftime? Yeah, not really. But I did tell him I, that I loved him. I said, "But let's let's go play um, the way we're capable of." That's all I challenged him. I said, "I think you're a good team." I said, "I think I think we've got way more in the tank than what we're showing." And he says, "You know, I care about you, and I want I want you to do well. So let's go out there and play the way we're capable of playing." And and hopefully the guys know how much the coaching staff cares about him. It's it's a good group. Um, they're good people first and foremost, and then, you know, they really work hard and they do the best they can. So I, w- I wanted to let them know that we appreciated that. Now let's go, now let's go put put it on the field and show what we're capable of doing. So I think they just took it upon themselves, honestly, Ballsy, to just come out there and play the best half of football they could, and, and they did. Tell you what, uh, eyebrows were raised, kind of at least Luke and. Our eyebrows were raised when Damon Webb was let go because he's a pretty good football player waiting in the wings. But Amari Henderson comes in there. We interviewed him. He said, hey, I'm a playmaker. Uh, he had a fumble recovery near the bench after that big hit by Jeremy Clark right in front of you on that Calgary running back. And he had a textbook knockdown on the goal line on Herji Mayala. I thought uh, Henderson uh, played a pretty good game. Yeah, we've liked him all along since camp. You know, he's he's can really cover. And he's not afraid to tackle. So that was one of the reasons we, we let Webb go is we felt like Amari was going to be a good football player, and, and he had a good start for, for sure this last week. My son was at the game, and he's watching it. He goes, Dad, you know who my favorite player in the Riders is? He, Roland Milligan. The way oh, Roland, Milligan's. The I Ray, love Milligan's the, Ray, the way yeah. Roland Milligan's playing coach, not only on defense but on special teams, what a sure tackler. I like that guy. Yeah, he's physical, isn't he? I mean, I, I said that to the group. We, we love – what did I say? I think I said something along these lines. We like DBs who can cover. We love DBs who can cover and tackle. And he can cover and tackle. So that's a good football player there. Hopefully we can keep him healthy and he just keeps getting better and better. One guy who can cover and he's still figured out how to tackle is Nick Marshall. Were you smiling like a butcher's dog as he's running past you on the sidelines to put the dagger in the alouettes? Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping he'd score. And I figured he would. He's a He's a crafty dude. Did you see how he weaved back in and the guy stopped his feet a little bit and then he took it back out? It, it was a nice play. That was that was the dagger, and uh, I was really proud to see Mark Nick do that. I think the, I think he set a record by doing that. I think he's got five now for touchdowns, which is 
if I'm correct, is Saskatchewan. Well, yeah, yeah. Record for yeah. Interception Five play. of his 13, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and Luke made a very good point in the broadcast. Uh, the touchdown by Key and Schaefer Baker, great blocking downfield by your receivers. It's interesting because, I mean, if you're a receiver, you're probably maybe getting, if you're lucky, six targets a game, maybe you catch four. Well, what are you doing for the other plays? You better be blocking. And those receivers sprung Key and Schaefer Baker. It was a combination of that. And man, that guy's deceptively fast. Schaefer Baker. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, credit to Coach Coach Moore. You know, we talked all week about getting better in the screen game, both offensively and defensively, because the week before, Montreal hit us on a big screen uh, to one of the Philpop brothers. So we put in a little 10-minute period on day, uh, day one and day two. We put in a five-minute period where we literally just worked defending perimeter screens and blocking up perimeter screens with the offensive guys. And I think it paid off. We're going to continue to do that moving forward because that's a big part of your offense when you can have a little hitch screen or a little bubble screen and it's at a two yards you can get 10 to 12. Um, that really that really can help help your offense. And then defensively, if you can shut that down, it'll help your defense quite a bit too. We'll take two more uh, quick uh, texts here, Zinger, if you've got them, then let Coach go. Go ahead. What do you got over there? Hey, Coach Evan from Regina here. I would like to know what are you doing about cleaning up the penalties going forward? Well, we're trying to address it, Evan. You know, well, that's one thing we do every every time we meet with the team. We did it today as we show each and every one of them, and we talk about why they were called, and we also show penalties that that we commit that weren't called. You know, we try to try to let let our guys know that it's not just about the ones that were caught. It's about it's about your technique on all of it. So we uh, we have a little internal fine system, Evan, where we put money in a jar if you commit a penalty, and if you force the other guys to have a penalty because you're playing fast you get money out of it you know and we have a little um a little players council that also deals with the penalties so outside of you know outside of benching a guy which i don't want to do um i think we're doing everything we can to try to clean it up i think as guys get better and and use the technique better i think you'll see um, less penalties and i think as guys get more comfortable playing with each other i think they'll be less out of position and and hopefully the penalties decrease but we're doing everything in our power to try to decrease them because we know if we continue to have a lot of penalties eventually they're going to bite you and and cost you a ball game got one more there uh... we got one more from daryl he says uh what was the thought process behind uh the onside kick on the field goal i think we might have talked about this post game but that's his question yeah that's a good question because we were definitely within range the reason for it is I just didn't feel like Montreal could score against us when we had our defense on the field. It was a, a pretty stiff wind we were kicking into, and it was a long enough field goal that if we didn't make it, we were going to have to cover it, and we were going to have to kind of hold on to our hats if we did miss it. So I've, I've been practicing, and we've been practicing as a special teams unit that onside kick for probably a month, and I don't think we've had one, one rep where we didn't get it, you know, in terms of our practice. So I really felt like we were going to get it, and if we did get it, I knew that would get us in position now to hopefully score a touchdown and put the game out of reach. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just a play where I didn't want to kick a long field goal into a big wind, and I didn't really want to punt it because we were too close to punt it. So I felt like this was a good time to try the onside field goal. Didn't work, um, but uh, that was the logic behind it. Coach, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. I know uh, it's a short week and you got lots on the go. No practice today. Back at the practice field tomorrow. We appreciate it each and every week. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the call-ins.
That it. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll keep that going for sure. That is Coach Craig Dickinson of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Craig Dickinson Show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. The show on a Monday brought to you by your friends at Andrew Sherrod Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at sherrod.com. We'll be back with Glenn Suter as it's press coverage. Suter, Molitor, Ballsy on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. And it's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Hey, some news we haven't talked about yet, and we welcome in Glenn Suter. The Alouettes cut their middle linebacker, Trey Watson, who's been all over the field the last two weeks. You surprised by that, Glenn? I thought he had a great game. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, I thought he played outstanding. In fact, I I remember making a point of it. Seemed, Seemed like he was around the ball every play. And you wonder what happened. Yeah. Kind of weird, eh, Luke, when we saw that? Yeah, maybe some internal trouble, maybe some, mm-hmm. maybe, right? Like, who yeah. knows? Who knows with the Montreal Alouettes? I think that, I think, I honestly think that organization's a gong show right now, to be honest with you. I think that, um, I think there's a whole lot of, and that's the thing, and Suits knows this. When you know that there's strife, internal strife in the, at the football ops level, mm-hmm. right? It, it it reflects into the locker room, right? Like that stuff carries carries trickles down. Into Are the we all? In a, I have a feeling that there's Kari Jones in trouble. Do you think? Are we all in agreement? Kari Jones is in trouble there. Well, I think you you know they're still in the thick of it as far as the standings go. I mean, the East is is off to a real slow start, and that keeps everyone tight and close together there. So, you know, they can't really say that. I mean, look what what's going on in Hamilton, but um, you know, but I I think. Luke's gone to something that it just seems like they're not sort of um, it's it's tough to put your finger on because we're not inside but it it just doesn't seem like it's running smoothly right now uh, the owner is is quite vocal on social media and other aspects of uh, that aren't related to winning and losing football games but good for PR don't get me wrong mm. I just yeah I just not sure that anyone's safe when you're losing and let's put it this way if if players are getting cut that shouldn't be cut they'll the the locker room will know and if that happens you're in big trouble absolutely i mean we were in 2011 we were one and eight i think it was but the trades and everything because we all started talking about it. look guys I'm know, the, I'm we're, gone. we're, we're not gone. Yeah. we're not we're not winning they're gonna start blowing this thing up but we didn't start talking like that till like week six week well not yeah. even actually week seven week eight yeah like this is week four and the alouettes if this is one of those deals um the alouettes are already seemingly making structural changes that it doesn't i mean that that, that don't make sense essentially because like suit said i mean mm-hmm. that kid's around the ball He's around the ball. Glenn, how much do you think uh, Cody's knee is affecting his accuracy? Because he hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks in terms of, you know, Duke Williams is open over the middle, 20-yard pass, and he throws it behind him. Or he's a little late on the deep ball. or He just has not had an accurate two-week stretch here at all. Well, I I think it's a big part of it. I really do. The way I described it in the broadcast was it would be like taking Batman's gadgets away. You know, like Batman is a is a good, strong superhero, but you take his gadgets away, and that's a big part of his game. So, you know, I I think you you look at Cody, and a big part of his game is on the run. You know, and his legs are a big part of his throwing motion. I mean, they are for all quarterbacks, but he is not a sort of a 
flick it with uh, the arm only. He likes to step into his throws. He likes to get outside the pocket and, and create outside there. So I think it's it's big time affecting it. He's, he gutted it out, and he, uh, you know, he got it done. He got to find a way other ways to win, and he said that. But uh, I, I think it's affecting him. So, uh, your thoughts on uh, you know some of the Riders' secondary players. Henderson goes in there, thought he played a pretty good game. Fumble recovery, nice bat down near the goal line. And uh, Luke and I have been raving about Roland Milligan, number zero for the Riders, not only in the secondary but on special teams. Solid tackler. Yeah, I, I think he, he's, he's looked great. I mean, you, you know, we, we, we sort of point these guys out only when they're struggling and getting beat and guys getting in behind them. Some, somehow the DBs always get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got to defend my guys. But how about Nick? Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that was a record-breaking, back-breaking pick six for 90 yards. Uh, when he caught Trevor Harris trying to be cheeky on the run, throwing it out there to <laughs> Eugene Lewis, and took that one back to the house. So good for him. I, I you know, I, I like him as a player because occasionally he'll get caught. But man, I bet you he has quarterbacks second guessing themselves all the time. Is he going to jump it or is he not going to jump it? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he played a great game in terms of like we didn't talk about Geno Lewis very much, did we, Luke? No, for the last two games we haven't talked about Geno Lewis. He had a couple Even of big catches. First... He had a couple of catches in the first game, but nothing that was earth yeah, shattering. Nothing for that sure. was there. Was nothing that that hurt the Riders. No, no, and he doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. So yeah, Nick Lewis did a or Nick well, um, Nick. Uh, pardon me, Nick Marshall did a great job. Hey, but guys, I I, I it's funny you said that because I did that in the game. I said Nick Lewis. Yeah. Um, you know the it's interesting though. Geno Lewis is with with VA got off to a great start Geno Lewis with with uh, Trevor is not seeing the ball as much mm-hmm. so you know I wonder I wonder how much that weighs into Kahari Jones looking at who's going to start because what, what do you guys do now what do you think who starts for Montreal next the next game I'm starting Trevor Harris I'm starting Trevor Harris I, I think that he just played he just played well against the best defense in the league yeah. yeah, I think Trevor Harris too. I, I, you know, they had a chance to win that game. They were coming back. There was still like a, you know, six minutes on the clock or five minutes when uh, when Marshall picked that one off and ran it back. It was a bad. It was a cheeky play, as you appropriately put it. But I think yeah, he stays in there. Um, although, you know, VA is still kind of a. They say a leader. He spent a lot of money in the off season to bring his receivers in. You know, fed him, flew him in. Ah, man, that doesn't mean you get to be the starting no, quarterback just because you're. I know. You're, no, I get it, but I mean, and I'm with you. I would start Trevor Harris. I, I don't yeah. think he's done anything to say, hey, he shouldn't be the starting quarterback. He had them coming back there. Um, yeah, Adam, it's going to be very interesting. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Argos-Winnipeg game to wrap up week number four, a little Monday night football in the CFL. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. 544 with the Sports Cage Sports Ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians is 75000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call at 781-2090. Kickoff about to happen in Toronto. It's the 3-0 Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the 1-1 Toronto Argonauts. Near moments away from uh, BMO Field. And the Riders have acquired global punter Jimmy Smith from the Calgary Stampeders. Smith was initially traded to Calgary on June 5th and we found out from Coach Dickinson during the Craig Dickinson show at 5 o'clock today that 
that was originally part of the, the deal. Uh, Smith to Calgary and then back to Saskatchewan. Uh, and that happened today, Ballsy. Yeah, they needed a loaner. So there you go. They loaned him, and now he's back. Er- boomerang hit. Yeah, the bo- that's good. I like He's like a boomerang. He is truly Aussie. He comes right back. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Suter joining us here. More press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. It's funny, uh, Suits. Talking with Mike Hogan of the Argos Radio Network and their communications guy earlier. They got absolutely hammered by BC, but they're still atop the East Division, which is actually remarkable to me because the Montreal or because the East Division on paper they look like they'd have a strong division. I know we got a long way to go, but I'm surprised by the slow start by all the teams. Yeah, we we do have a long way to go. I, I really think until we get to the round the Labor Day mark, we really shouldn't be sort of ranking and putting them all together. I mean, I mean, think about it this way. I go back to the question about Trevor Harris or VA. If you if you look at the two games that they lost to start the season, one was by four points, and because their kicker missed a twenty yarder. I mean, you know, like they they could easily have been two and zero out of the gate, and. VA leading them to those wins. Then he gets COVID and is not practicing. I'm I'm just I'm not suggesting that I would go this way, but I'm saying I'll make an argument for him. You know, and then but but they didn't get the the W's. So and then Hamilton with their turnovers, they're over, and yeah, it's it's tight. And and this is probably the argument on keeping the divisions, the West and the East. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you do you like it just from a Canadiana aspect and and to keep interest in the East because really there wouldn't be a lot of interest in the East if we went one through nine right now the way well, it's going. I, I I like it ballsy because we have the crossover, so you, you're not you're not penalized in the West if you have a you know an eleven win or a ten win season and you don't make the playoffs when a an eight-win team in the East does. Yeah, but I think so, the cro- I think the crossover team should get to host if they have the better record. Like you know, Edmonton traveling to Ottawa the year Ottawa won the Grey Cup. Edmonton was better. They had to travel across country to play Ottawa when they had the better record. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent agreed. Yeah, absolutely. That's the change I'd make. But the the fact that we have the crossover means that that East and West you know divide can can stay in place and. For the top two teams in the East, they stay in the battle. All four teams are in the battle longer. All four cities are in the battle longer. I dis- I disagree with both of you. Okay. I think you're you're both overthinking it. I really do. Hmm. And, and I'd like to offer evidence. East, yeah. head coaches. Yeah. Kahari Jones, yeah. Paul Apolise, Orlando Steinauer, Dinwiddie. Yeah. That's the East. Yeah. The West. You've got two Dickinson brothers. A two-time winning Grey Cup champion in Mike O'Shea, Chris Jones, and Rick Campbell. And Rick Campbell. It's mm-hmm. simple as that. That's what I think. I think that that is that is the direct reason why it's going to be a mismatch every single time out when it comes to the West versus the East. And until they 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 figure and 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 Lord help me, Lord help us if Kahari Jones gets supplanted by Danny Machocha. <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to stay like this. Guaranteed. You know, Luke, it's probably a good reason for why it's happening right now, that there's just less experience in the head coaching jobs. But um, it still it still keeps all the teams in the East, you know, relevant as long as you can deep into the regular season. I think I think that's what's important. I mean, if if we're looking at just past Labor Day and two teams in the East are already eliminated, 
that's tough on their market. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I actually, yeah. I, I don't agree with your premise of 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 the need for that format. No, no. I'm not. A, I'm I'm just simply stating that, in yeah. my opinion, yeah. it's no, it's, and, and, it's a lot easier. And, and I, when we look I at used it. to be a one versus nine guy. I used to be a few years ago. I said, let's just get rid of it because. Yeah. But I, I I agree with what Glenn's saying. As long oh, there's an injured Winnipeg Blue Bomber down. One of their offensive linemen. Looks like Hardrick is down. Jamarcus Hardrick. That would be a big blow. The right tackle down. Bombers have had a great run here because they've been able to stay injury free. That old line is so good. It is good. And so he's down. You never like to see anybody down, even if there are hated rivals. But no, I'm with Glenn in terms of keeping it east and west as long as we can have a situation where like if Edmonton is 10 and 8, they don't have to travel to 8 and 10 Ottawa for a, for a playoff game. You, yeah. don't, you don't deserve yeah, you to have gotta a playoff come here. game. You gotta, you gotta come, come here. here. I don't care. Well, I can't. I, I don't know if Suits has heard this, but I, I couldn't believe like there was crossover talk already last week, like from people. Yeah. I was like, "What yeah. crossover?" Like, literally for that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What is going on here?" Oh, that's a bad. Way thing. too early. Grabbing his left knee. That's that is that is tough. He's getting up. Hopefully, he'll be okay. Looks like he might walk off under his own power, which is good. Boy, that's a big uh, guy. He'll be fine. He just that's said a, he's, he's just that's hungry. a that's a big man. Hey, we made we made he's just hungry. Glenn, we hungry. made our offensive game star in, uh, in the game Evan Johnson for the way the Riders' offensive line played along with the fullbacks. Just talk about that ground game because that offensive line came out in the second half and they took it to the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, I, I love watching it. I love watching the linebacker play to try and counter it as well. And the guys are scraping to the ball and things like that. And how guys like Evan can get to the second level and, and cut off the linebackers. I mean, all of that is, to me, fascinating. Game inside the game stuff to break down and analyze while I'm doing the game for TSM. But, I, um, you know, I, I think that was the goal. It's, it's amazing as a coach when you emphasize a certain aspect of the game in practice how you will probably see improvements in that area in the game. I mean, it just, it really is. I mean, if, if you're a hockey guy and you practice getting it out of your own end all the time, you'll probably be in your own end most of the time. Why don't you practice on the forecheck more? And then you'll be in their end all of the time. So, you know, I, I think what you work on, you practice, that's what the riders did. And we saw it in the run game. I love that power eye. Two fullbacks Man. and Jamal Morrow in behind him. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Luke was loving it. Oh, I, I, I listen. I love the run, ga- run game um, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, especially now. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I think it just, I, again, they get, they get consistent with that run game. Well, they got right? a great defense. They can play like they, a Baltimore more, Ravens team. More importantly, now you're taking the pressure off your injured quarterback. Yeah. Right? If he is banged up. Yeah. Hey, uh, talk about that, Suits. Uh, Lanier the second had three sacks and he forced a fumble. Now, here's a guy that's taken some foolish penalties early on in his career. Plays close to the line, but obviously coach is letting him have a leash. I don't know that I've seen a more dominating performance on the D-line in the interior this year in any of the games I've watched to this point. Well, what I, what I liked about Lanier's game this past weekend was he got that early penalty uh, for roughing the passer. And uh, I didn't think it was a penalty. I honestly didn't. I, I, in fact, there were three or four in there that I thought the refs could have kept the flag in the pocket. 28 penalties? Please. We, we, we have got to cut that in half. You want game flow. You can't have 28 penalties. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, you know, I, I put it this way, guys. If, if, uh, if you talk to the officials after, and I think they do a really good job, so don't get me wrong here, um, but if you, 
if you talk to them after and they have to give you a full explanation as to why they threw the flag on a certain play. You know, for, for instance, I, I, I talked to one of the officials before the game and I asked him about a, a pass interference call that was called in a BC game on Delvin Bro, whose elbow hit Brandon Banks in the head. BC against Toronto by accident as he was jumping for the football and had full possession of the ball, like knocked it out of the air. His elbow coincidentally just hit the head of Brandon Banks on the way up. And I I asked him for a description of that. And he gave me a a really long winded um, sort of explanation as to why that would be considered. And I thought to myself, you know, if an official has to explain it in that detail, then he should never have thrown the flag. It really should be just when a flag happens, we see the replay, and everybody that has any sort of basic knowledge of the rule book looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, clearly. You know, I that think was I feel it's like with one crew. I Listen, uh, I've never refed a professional football game, so far for me to critique, but when I watch an Al Bradbury crew, it almost feels, Luke Mulder, like it's like I said in the broadcast, it's the first time they've ever refed a game. Yeah, I, I thought we have mechanisms in place to speed up the calls, and and there's more meetings with Bradbury's crew than anybody else's crew, in my well, opinion. Well, you know, I... I, I... And again, I don't know the stats behind it, right? Like, I'd be interested to see, like, hey, crew per crew, who's throwing yeah. the most. More important, like, ba- like, like Major League Baseball, right? Suits, like, how many yeah. calls were er- erroneous calls? That's what I'd like to see. But more importantly, I think that one of the things I noticed that game, that game started at five, right? Well, yeah, over yeah, three hours, yeah, five. Yeah. It was over three hours. And that's and that's that's not and and we didn't go in overtime. So I guess yeah, that's where I stand. Like that was a long game, guys. McLeod Bethel Thompson has just been picked off by I think that's Winston Rose going all the way back for a touchdown for Winnipeg. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Glenn. This guy's gotten a long leash, and I just don't. I said at the start of the year, I like Toronto's team except for the quarterback. I I can't put faith in McLeod Bethel Thompson. He is not a starting quarterback. I think his resume would dictate that. That's just a horrible throw. Well, we've had this discussion. I go back, if if we go back and pull the tape, we'll get Zinger to pull the tape from training camp and talking about the quarterbacks across the league, and I think you'll see my opinion there that I, I really like the guy. I love talking to him. I think he's, he's, you know, I think he'll probably be a real good coach, McLeod Bethel-Thompson at one point, and a really philosophical thinks about the game in, an, in a, a real deep way, but... Um, but you know, I, I've often said he runs plays. Like the, you know, when you see Cody out there limping, and I'll just use him as an example. And he's banged up, and he dives for the first down, and he, you know, he knows on this second and ten he's got to get it, or else they'll get the ball back, and it's a one possession game. So you know the urgency of the moment, and you can see it in the play of of guys like Zach Kolaros and Bo Levi Mitchell and those guys. I just sometimes I just don't see that. Now maybe he's just being too calm, cool, and collective for what I think should be going on. But I don't know. I I've just I've said that about McLeod Bethel Thompson forever since he was there at the very beginning in Toronto. Luke, what do you think? Like, you're not buying him, are you? Um, I think that like yeah, I do think that he's getting a oddly long leash. He's a reflection of what's wrong with football. There's not enough good quarterbacks to go around. There, there doesn't seem. I to thought be. it was hilarious in the off season when he commented that, "Oh yeah, you know, I I work out with NFL quarterbacks in the off season, and none of them can out throw me." And I'm always like, "Well, 
you know, I guess. That, Why aren't I guess, you in the NFL? Then? Yeah, if you got a cannon of an arm, yeah, you should probably. That doesn't mean you're not a good quarterback to, if you're in the probably CFL. Probably try to hit the blue jerseys yeah. instead of yeah, the white yeah, and gold yeah, like ones. That's just an awful <laughs> yeah. throw. Hey guys, just before we let you go, your thoughts on uh, Dane Evans? I want to get your thoughts, Glenn, on Dane Evans and what we're seeing here. This guy had a meltdown on the bench after the game, and uh, you know Nick Arbuckle has to come over and console him. Nick's been through a lot himself, so I thought that was real classy and a nice sportsmanship move. But that's a bad sign for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Right now, that team needs to really pull together, and and I'd like to hear this week if if receivers or running backs, uh, Sean Thomas, Erlington, guys like that, if they're ever asked about Dane, that they back him 100% and just say, hey, we're, they're bouncing off us like we can't catch a cold out here. And, and a lot of those interceptions that he's thrown have been that way. Now, he's fumbled twice himself, and that's on him. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them were bad throws. But he knows it, and he is in pain right now. I can see it. I can tell. He's trying to figure it out. And the only way they're going to do it and get past this is to come together. If they start pointing fingers, it's over, and this thing's going to spiral. But it can also galvanize you, right, Luke? I mean, adversity can bring you together or rip you right apart. It's up to them. Yeah, I think that they've they've got a lot of the guys that they they've got a core group there, uh, and I think that one thing that Day needs to understand is is that hey there there is there is no pressure like you're the guy, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's nobody sitting behind you. There's nobody like you're the guy. Get it right, you know. Look at the film, figure out where the opportunities are to get better, right? Whether it's reading defenses, whether it's yeah. you know timing on throws, and just yeah, you're the and, guy. And they, if you if and, they're gonna win the Grey Cup, yeah. They're going to need Dane Evans. And if they were in the West, their season might be over. But it's not. They're in the East, and the BC Lions were 0-5 and won a great cup in 2011. You can always hang your hat on that. And they did it in the West. And they did it in the West. Hey, guys, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Glenn, okay? Hey, Adam Big Hill just dropped a second pick from Cloud Bethel Thompson, threw it right to him. I know. And he dropped it. Anyway, okay, guys, talk to you tomorrow. Take care, man. Hey, thanks, Luke. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you on uh, Friday. Friday. Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks, they'll be hungry for a win. When we come back, we'll have more Rough Rider talk on the other side of the 6 o'clock news on 620 CKRM. All right, it, it, all right, it, it, it. It's time to cut McLeod Bethel Thompson. He's been on 43 teams in nine different leagues. He drops a shotgun snap, throws off his back foot, and gets picked off again. If this guy was a Canadian quarterback, he wouldn't be allowed anywhere near a CFL field. But because he has an American birth certificate, they keep trotting him out there like weekend at Bernie's. Are you <laughs> kidding me? That is embarrassing. He's a weekend at Bernie's. He's wearing the sunglasses. He can't see anything. Terrible, <laughs> man. This show's brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Uh, providing uh, plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since no- 1892. I Learn more to... at Sherrod.com. I'll tell you something. Th- off the top of your head, can you think of a worse quarterback that you've watched in the CFL than, than McLeod Bethel Thompson? <laughs> off the top of my head. M- Michael Bishop? Uh, Marvin Graves was pretty bad. Marvin Graves was bad. <laughs> Homer Jordan was bad. I've watched Bernard Quarles here. I watched Vince Faragamo. Steve Sarkeesian for Sure. Yeah, he couldn't break a pick. Great, he was bad. Great coach, great coach at, at the at the college level in the states. But he was a terrible quarterback. Warren Jones. Warren, Warren Jones, Jones was really bad. Yeah. I think he actually 
soiled his pants one game. He had to run to the locker room. You Vince that? Fa- yeah, that's right. Vince Ferragamo. I would have soiled myself too playing for that Ryder team. Vince Ferragamo, who came from the L.A. Rams to the Montreal Alouettes in the late 70s, early 80s, early 80s I think 81, played one year, could never pick up the 12th man. Um, oh, who was that one quarterback? Joe Adams here. Who was that one quarterback who played under uh, when Matt Donegan was a head coach of Calgary? I think his last name was Jones or something. He was so bad. Anyways, that's one tell, guy that comes t- to mind. Tell you what, man. Th- this is absolutely pathetic. Like, McLeod Bethel Thompson sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Spurgeon win quality. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> he is te- he is terrible. Yep. I would take John Huffnagel now as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, like, I, that is terrible, man. Like, the guy, he he can't take the snap. You don't know when the snap's coming? You're the damn quarterback. Well, first, it's like it's quarterbacking 101. First of all, the the whole timing of the play, he should know this, is going to be thrown yeah. off because he did not handle the yeah. snap. So what yeah. does he do? Okay, he finally, after like three seconds, gets a hold of the ball, and then he rolls out, and then he throws his original probably planned pass but he doesn't realize that it's going to be like 10 seconds off timing wise because he was dinkering around in the pocket off his back foot off his back foot and he doesn't have a good he's got a noodle arm to begin with brutal Dinwiddie was a better quarterback not much not Not much much. that's why Dinwiddie's probably giving him a long leash because he's like I suck too so like Dinwiddie might be a good coach but that is a terrible... Put in Jim Kelly's nephew and let's go. Like, if we're really going to circle the drain with this team, let's circle the drain with this team. I Awful. And here's another thing. I love the CFL, man. I want the Argos to be successful. Problem is the Argos don't want themselves to be successful. Playing on Monday night, no promotion. More, more redneck hillbilly losers in the United States watch some... Guy limp out of a limo with an Achilles injury. Joey Chestnut scarfed down 63 hot dogs with buns in 10 minutes. More people watch that than are at an Argonauts game. A professional football game. Like 30,000 people stood around to watch some loser eat hot dogs. (laughs) And they cheered. And we are we're at a professional football game with elite athletes and it, it is like dressed like a red seat night and it's a good turnout at BMO Field. It's the, too bad. The Argos don't know. It's not too bad. It's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's a tragedy. Why do we have it? We have a team in Toronto because apparently people still watch. Because I don't know why, but they want to watch McLeod Bethel Thompson drop a shotgun snap and throw off his back foot. Maybe that's why nobody goes to the game. Honestly, they have to move the Argo games back to the Rogers Center, number one. This whole thing of, okay, let's move it to BMO because Mm. it's a smaller venue. It's going to be uh, better for the Argos is totally wrong. It's in a horrible location for those who've been to Toronto. It's pretty difficult to get to the exhibition grounds unless if you're taking one of those uh, TTC trains. It's so easy to access the Rogers Center by so many number of uh, transit systems. And that's the number one reason. Number two reason they should go back to the Rogers Center is just, you know, it's the Rogers Center. Maybe fans will be more interested to go to a nicer building. Zinger, I love you. You're a great guy. You are a great guy. But no, they didn't want to go before even when Doug Flutie was there. Here's where they need to move them. To Halifax. Ten, I think London. 
10,000 people. We are going to do a Ryder game, oddly enough, against the Argonauts at a high school field in Wolfville. It, it normally seats 800. They're bringing in 10,000 bleachers. They just asked today, this is funny, they just asked today, how loud How loud are you guys when you do a game? Because <laughs> I'm going to be like a spinning distance away from Glenn Suter and Rod Smith. I might actually turn up on the TSN broadcast. <laughs> and if you think I'm going to alter my broadcast for TSN, sorry, Suits, touchdown here for... Uh, what the? Who is that? Schoen? Oh, no, uh, Wolertowski. I was, I was hoping to see a good game tonight. Wolertowski, but... 13-0 Winnipeg. Uh, anyway, um, let's get to that. I want you people to listen to the Sports Cage Rewind right yeah, here. Let's do it. And this. you tell me whether I can share <laughs> an area with Rod Smith and Glenn Suter. Here we go. <laughs> Takes a shotgun snap. Takes the hand off the hand. We backpedaling. Pumps. And he starts. He got sacked. Ball's down, kick is up, and he hammers it through. Two tackles, and they're rushing somebody off that uh, far side, but it's caught over here on the right sideline, down the sideline. Kevin Jones, 30, 25, and he's tackled from behind. Cody takes a shotgun snap, looks to his right. Cody throws, it's caught! Touchdown! Saskatchewan, Mitch Pickton! Al's going left to right, up by three points. Harris takes the shotgun snap. Harris is sacked. He got sacked by Pete Robertson. And here they come. Harris is hit. The ball's out. The Riders have it. Pete Robertson on the fumble recovery. Out of the hold of Vedvik. The snap, the hold, the kick is on the way. This one's got the distance. It's gone. Brad Lomber said I missed one. But I made that one. They hand it off. And here's Morrow busting to the left, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Jamal Morrow. Offside, Montreal, number 24. Penalty decline. Clear result in a touchdown. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Cody Fajardo. And Harris going to toss it off here to the right, trying to find the edges. And Tweet. And Tweet loses the ball. Riders got it. They touched it at the end. And Cody's going to throw to the backfield. Keehan's got it far side. 35. Keehan 30. 20. 10. 5. Is the in. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. Harris. Staring down the barrel of the Riders defense, head off to Fletcher, and Walter Fletcher will maneuver his way in for an Alouette touchdown, and Harris steps up, Harris dodges the rush, throws, picked up, this one is going to be maybe House, Nick Marshall, 30, 20, 10, Nick Marshall, touchdown, Saskatchewan. Digger. 
So do you think I'll be able to be in the same area as Glenn and Rod Smith? <laughs> have to put you across the field. That's uh, awesome. Maybe we'll get to some of your texts on the other side of the break. Let's get to uh, our defensive game star, Anthony Lanier II. Three quarterback sacks and a forced fumble for Big 91. You know, injuries happen. Sometimes you have people who bust plays and everything like that. But for all of us to know each other's positions and, you know, be able to talk it out and be able to – reconfirm that we know what we're doing and being able to come out and handle business means a lot. What was said in that locker room at halftime? You guys are down 13 to 11. Defensively, you were doing well. The other two uh, facets of the game didn't really, uh, you know, get up to the defensive level, but you guys turned it on in the third quarter. What was said at halftime? As far as um, from Coach uh, Dickerson, you know, basically he said that he loved us. He, you know, just told us straight out flat that he loved us and that he knew that we were ready. He said now it's time to execute. They only got us by two, so let's go ahead and put them in bed. Now lastly, Anthony, why is the second important to you, Anthony Lanier the second? Can you tell us why that's important to you? Yeah, first of all, because, uh, of course, my mom named me that, uh, because also my dad is Anthony, but um, my son is the third, and also because I have an undefeated Warrior Foundation back in Savannah, Georgia, that I hold dear to my heart, that I started when I first started playing football in professional level, so that's why I asked that people put the emphasis on the second. Well, I'm going to have you on the sports cage this week, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that. But for now, congratulations on the defensive star of the game, man. You were a one-man wrecking crew uh, amongst a bunch of wrecking crews in that rider defense. Congratulations on being our defensive game star. All right. Thank you so much for having me, too. It was after the game, Anthony Lanier II with a great performance, his best as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. All right. When uh, we come back, we'll get to some of your texts on our Capital Ford Lincoln text line and wrap the show up. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited. Ballsy along with my great producer, Sean Kleisinger, watching the uh, Bombers take the uh, Argos to the woodshed 14-0. They have it first down and 10 on the 12. Fortunately, Toronto's defense makes one tackle. They got uh, Augustine in the backfield. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, is he worse than Nick Arbuckle? Yes. Then why did they get rid of Nick Arbuckle? Because it's the Argos. They, they don't know what they're doing. That is unbelievable. It's brutal. Winnipeg, 14-0 over the Argos. I thought the Argos would win this game. I was looking forward to going home after the cage, yeah. you know, picking something yeah. up. You know, well, I guess I ha- I'm not going home. I have to do the evening show tonight, but you know what I mean. I have to... I wanted to watch a good football game. You'd go tonight. home, you'd PVR it, and go home and watch it. Yes. Get your Western pizza late and do that. But yeah, it didn't work out. We got some text there on our uh, Capital Ford Lincoln hotline. Yeah, we got Jerome listening in, and he says, uh, "How long do you think they're gonna keep Cody Fajardo in as long as uh, he keeps limping around like this?" Well, he's gonna play till. Uh, I mean, they're gonna keep him in there. I mean, I don't see him coming out. Uh, he he finished the the game as much as they needed him to finish the game. I guess we'll it's see. Such a, yeah, you gotta think though. Like it's such a like long season. What I don't like. Why would you keep throwing your quarterback out there in the wolves? Why why not just let him rest for? 
like a week or two. Well, maybe this week you could probably. I mean, Ottawa's a good team, though. I, I don't know. Look at the West. Winnipeg's going to win. They'll be four and zero. Calgary is three and zero. They got Edmonton this week. Hopefully, they lose to Edmonton. Uh, BC's three and zero, and and you've got us. So we, uh, you can't just sit back and say, "Well, we need to take a week off." Uh, mm-hmm. What I would like to see is Cody Fajardo not on third down situations. Like, get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Why is he going in the middle there? Because he because he likes doing it. Because he's only been stopped once. No, put Mason Fine in there. Put Jake Dolagala in the roster and let him do it. Because I want to see Jake Dolagala yeah. dress at least like that well, guy. Calgary's is... got that big. Was it Stewart? Their big quarterback. He's six six. They use him for short yards. Let's use our six foot seven guy. Could you imagine him sneaking up the middle? That big lurch. All like... he's got to do. All he's got to do is. That's why I never understood why Shaq sucked at free throws. Except he was shooting down almost to the hoop. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you release the ball, you're already halfway there, man. You should be like just plucking it in. You Michael never... Jordan arms and space yeah. jump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Or Randy Johnson when he pitched, when he let the ball go, he was already like halfway to the mound when he let it go. Yeah, remember when he exploded that one bird that oh, flew yeah. by? Killed that bird. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, yeah R.I.P. Look... Bird. R.I.P. <laughs> Look at, like, look at Bethel Thompson right now sitting on the bench. He's just collecting, like, his helmet's on. He's trying to collect his thoughts. Well, he's, he wants to keep it on in case the fans that are Kelly's there sitting, yeah. The fans that are there aren't throwing things at him. Kelly's sitting beside him. Like, look at Bethel Thompson. He's, he's deep in thought right now. He's like, man, why do I suck so much? Why do I keep getting opportunities? He's terrible. And then Andrew Harris, he's walking around. He, it's like every... This guy walks around like he has a camera on him 24-7. Yeah, he like he's Hollywood. such Hollywood, isn't he? Yeah, he's a diva. God, yeah, I'm diva. sick of him. After he got caught with steroids, I'm like, Bombers I'm done with that guy. in the red zone again. Like, oh, yeah. Here they go. Anyway, what do you got? Uh, another text there? You got any more text there? Andrew uh, just wants to uh, check in from Vancouver. He uh, He's Hi, listening in. And, uh, oh, just got another text as well. Uh, yes, totally agree on Bethel Thompson. This guy sucks. Why is he still in the league? Aside from the fact he reminds me of a... Uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, with the beard? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, ben was. Ben, least, yeah. ben could throw the ball. And maybe Ben last year. But uh, <laughs> yeah. to tell you what, uh, actually, he reminds me of Ben this year. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, true. Like, terrible. He is terrible. Uh, Winnipeg's going to settle for a, a field goal. Hey, you're the public address announcer for the Red Sox. I want to bring this up. What, like, so when, uh, when that, uh, and if you missed it, we had Nate Dock on. He had four homers in two games, uh, nine ribbies yesterday from Boulder City, Colorado. You can check out our podcast uh, brought to you by Saskatchewan Senior Mechanism after the show when Zinger puts it up. When, when, when a home run is hit like that, like, you know, in hockey, uh, winner's goal, Pat's goal, scored by number 98, Connor Bedard. Yeah. Do you do that when a home run's hit? No home run No home run calls in baseball when you're a public address announcer. What the process is, after the ball goes yard ab- beyond the fence, you play your home run song. Some teams either, e- either have a horn or a song that they play over the PA system. And then uh, you just got to soak in the crowd noise. And then once... Uh, the home run hitter crosses the plate, that's when the public addresser comes in and then they announce the next batter. And usually you announce that next batter with a little more enthusiasm because, you know, you want to keep riding that wave of excitement. So if Michael Ball hits a home run and Sean Kleisinger comes up, how would you do it? So I hit the home run, the music's pumping, and then what do you say? Shortstop number 16, Sean Kleisinger. Let's be honest. You wouldn't be a shortstop. You'd be like a right fielder who barely touches the ball. Don't hey, man, I was a shortstop. 
shortstop Were growing you? up. Yeah, man. Were you? I was I was so fast in my little league days. Hey, this is a, this is a for everyone out there. Listen, I I could have went pro. <laughs> no, I was so fast in little league. I got called up to like two divisions. Uh, above me uh. just to run bases. Like, they would sub me in as pinch runner, and I would steal bags. I was, like, 10 years old playing against 15-year-olds. That's how fast I was. Hey, what's the Red Sox uh, schedule look like this week? Like, do you know off the top yeah, of your head? Yeah, we uh, start off uh, with a three-game um, series in Medicine Hat tomorrow. So uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Medicine Hat, and then the Red Sox then come back home and play in Moose Jaw on Friday and Moose Jaw on Saturday, mm. and then uh, back home on Sunday against Moose Jaw. Well, uh, big road trip. I, I want to uh, give a shout out to Blaine Weil and our second sports guy. He's going to be do. He's been doing great work on social media. He's going to be in Moose Jaw tomorrow. It's my day off. My mom's birthday, her seventy fifth birthday. So I'm hanging out with Marilyn Ball. Happy birthday to her. Happy birthday, Marilyn yeah, Ball. I love her. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we are so I'm going to be off. Don Hewitt's going to be in the big chair with you, but uh, Blaine's going to Moose Jaw. There's a big announcement uh, for the Moose Jaw Warriors. I know what it is. I can't say, but he's also going to interview uh, Matejchuk, who's pegged to go, uh, you know, fairly high in the NHL draft. And uh, Denton Matejchuk, and then of course the CHL Rookie of the Year, uh, uh, Jaeger from the Warriors. Yeah. So they're both going to be there at the press conference, but it has nothing to do with them. It's going to have something to do, I'm told, the Warriors look. So keep that in mind. That tomorrow. announcement coming tomorrow on the cage, right? Yeah, 11 o'clock is the press conference, and Blaine Weiland will have it covered. He'll be at Ryder practice tomorrow as they're back on the practice field. It's going to do it for my time. I will be back on Wednesday as we leave you 17-0. The Blue Bombers lead Toronto 11-26 and counting to go in the second quarter, but Toronto has it at the Winnipeg 34. Is that correct? I think so. I think yeah, Toronto's got the ball. Let's not leave here. Let's see what McLeod does. See if he screws up. Hmm. Drops back the pass. Sets, oh, look at that. Speedy B's got it. He's on the run. 20, 10, and he's forced out of bounds oh, with a five-yard line. back, it looks like. Oh, flag figure, figures, Toronto. Is that Natai Rogers holding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's back in double blue. <laughs> anyway, just joking. Anyway, we're going to take a, a, a pause here. Coming up on the other side, it's our buddy Sean Kleisinger with uh, Zinger at Night on 620 CKRM. And I'll talk to you Wednesday. Don Hewitt in the big chair tomorrow. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca.